It's a great day at Huff Insurance. This call may be monitored or recorded for quality assurance. Good afternoon, it's Kelly. Hi, speak to Nancy, please. My intelligence calling? Yeah, it's Joey Jingoma. Hold on one moment. Thank you. Joey, I'm so sorry. Nancy, how you doing? We've been playing phone tag forever. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How uh, how are you doing? I'm good. This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Jingola. Let's get into it. I mean, things are good. We're getting a ton of people calling us back who closed their business in 2007, 2008 because of economy reasons and went to work for other people and now are looking to go back on their own. And with our digital marketing system, we're constantly keeping in touch with those people once a month with a newsletter. So even if they're not reading the newsletter, just the fact that they're seeing our name repetitively over and over again, you know, we're the first person that they call when they want insurance again. So I mean, of the new business calls that I got today, four of them were previous insured. They either went somewhere else because they got a lower rate or went out of business or, but it wasn't because we just didn't give them good service or anything like that. And they're like, hey, I'm shopping my insurance. I wanted you guys to be the first ones that I call. I'm shopping my insurance. How does that phrase sit with you? That was my good friend Nancy Niccolo over at Huff Insurance in Pasadena, Maryland. I always forget where it is, and I finally looked it up. Pasadena, Maryland. And yes, this is the first husband and co- husband and wife combo, tandem, pair, couple, team, partnership to be featured on the podcast. If you don't remember, Jerry Niccolo, Nancy's husband, was previously featured on a couple different episodes. Uh, most famously, Will You Pay Somebody to Go to Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner? And uh, Deconstruct Your Producer to Make a Better One, some of the some of Jerry's hit shows, if you will. Um, I have to say, Nancy, of the two um, huffs that have been on the show, definitely the more intimidating one. I am a little nervous for my insurance life when I do speak with Nancy. Not because of her overall hostility, just because that's how much she knows what she's doing. Jerry, no offense, you're the marketing guy. Uh, I am a little a little scared with Nancy and, and how much she goes about her business because it's that it's that on point. And that's the one thing I want you guys to take away from both Sherry and Nancy is, again, I talked about it in Jerry's shows, uh, just how much uh, on point they are, how much, you know, they know what they're doing and they're doing what they do and they don't let anybody get in their way, right? They know what they're doing. They know what works and what they're doing is working. However, me and Nancy got into it pretty quickly and we almost came to blows over uh, a little bit of semantics that we didn't really clear up. And this is where I ask you the question, you know, Hey, I'm shopping for my insurance. How does that sit with you? Because when Nancy first kind of said it to me, the you know my hair you know stood up. You know, I arched my back like a cat. I was like hissing. I'm like, I'm like what's going on? And I didn't like it. And that's why we kind of got into it. And there's a really big distinction that I think you have to make right away. Otherwise, you're going to leave yourself open for a pretty big waste of time. 
Well, we try to always, you know, pre-qualify them, make sure that if we're able to come in with the numbers that they need us to be, are they going to do business with us? You know, and I always try to find out roughly how much that they're paying. And I try to make sure, you know, that we're going to be competitive because I don't want to waste my time. When you're getting so many leads in a day, you've got to be selective because I don't have time to run around the mulberry bush. You know, I I need accounts that I'm going to be able to sell. If it was strictly because of price, that they left and they really didn't want to leave for whatever reason we just couldn't compete that year with the carriers that we had and I get that upfront commitment I'm fine with them coming back you know provided that they were good account to begin with they paid their bills on time and their losses were good and stuff like that this is where Nancy's and I's distinction of the client that we were talking about the distinction that is so important in this matter was almost coming to a head. And this is where you need to quickly step back and realize the difference from which I was coming at this and the way that Nancy was. And depending on how you operate and what you sell in your agency, you might be having a completely different experience on what we're both saying. Now, again, Nancy's saying, hey, if all of these things are true, we're going to pre-qualify. We've got too many leads. We need to make sure we're focusing on the right ones. If you're not doing that, obviously, um, that's a that's a big must, right? Obviously, um, you have to figure out a way to talk to the best people, period. And for Nancy, you know, she's saying, hey, if I come in with a certain number, are you going to do business with me? Now, I still think, again, I don't play in this space too often, so I don't know how well it works. It seems to work for Nancy. I, I do just feel a little nervous just because I have tried it with the auto and home, you know, cross-selling my health clients with some auto and home. And they've always, you know, I say, hey, if I hit this number, and then it's just like, ah, it's not, it's not enough. And even though it is pretty close to what I, you know, told them we were going to save. Anyways, my personal experience seems to work for Nancy. I, I, I know it works for other agents. If that's what you want to do, then go for it. However, the big distinction here is yes, if they're a model client, if they're a model citizen, an upstanding good human being in the insurance world, Nancy's willing to take them back. Here's the catch, right? So I'm talking from the personal line side of things. Nancy is talking from the commercial lines. Big, big, big difference, right? And when you're dealing with businesses that have to make business decisions and it's not, you know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever that is a month, you know, that, you know, you might expect your person to just kind of stick with you on just because you're you're the one insurance company they're with was out of whack or whatever the case is. Um, you know, you couldn't beat that state farm quote by like, you know, $20 or whatever it was. You would kind of expect them to give you, a, you know, a little bit of a leeway, say, listen, you know, there's it's going to even itself out. However, on the commercial side, where Nancy's speaking from is that, hey, listen, you know, sometimes there, a company might come in and be five grand cheaper. And as a business, I mean, you don't necessarily have the luxury to just willingly pay five grand extra for your insurance for a year. And if that company's coming in cheaper, then you've got to actually go ahead and take that better deal. So this is something, though, that I, and the more I thought about it and the more I listened to, the, you know, Nancy and I kind of talk about this. The more I thought about, you know, I don't, I don't really see any way on the personal sides that it makes tons of sense, you know, for somebody that, that will kick the tires. Because here's the thing that I was going through with Nancy of, you know, listen, when I sell health insurance, I've got all the companies. And for the most part, I don't have people that leave. The only reason people leave, you know, you know, go get other health insurance is because they've got a job. Somebody else is paying for it. The number one reason people leave me for health insurance is that they've got somebody else 
paying for it. And believe me, if somebody's going to get somebody else to pay for their health insurance, nobody's turning that down, right? Because it's just insanely expensive. So it's the first thing somebody's going to not pay for if they don't have the, you know, if they don't have to. Number two, somebody moves out of state. Now that's the same with auto home, like PNC. Somebody moves out of state and you don't sell in that state, then you're going to lose the client. And now I, I, that happens a lot. People get a different job. You know, if they were self-employed or they're moving, whatever, that's, you know, number two reason why I lose business. Number three reason is if somebody um, is teetering on, you know, financial, you know, Medicaid, you know, needing to buy their own plan, well, whatever, right? Like that kind of situation to where they might not be able to qualify for subsidy. They're just, there's a financial uncertainty there. Or let's put it this way. Some of the bottom barrel companies that don't work with agents or the ones that do, and it's just a little hassle to deal with, and, you know, I'm not necessarily willing to go through that kind of process for them. That's about the third reason is that I'm just not going to kind of go, you know, slumming in that kind of water for them and deal with the hassle for somebody that is, you know, a pretty good chance to cancel midway through the year anyways, right? Those are the three big reasons. So taking those people back, now, yes, if somebody got a job and they're going to be self-employed again, I'll probably take them back. But again, knowing that, you know, there's a good chance that their business might not work out again. And six months later, they might be looking for health insurance again from an employer. And again, if I don't keep them for a whole year, I'm, I'm wasting time. I'm wasting money. I'm not making money on that case because I can't keep somebody for six months. And I would say the same thing is true for any auto home client. That's, you know, there's just not too many good scenarios that I think you can be presented with that is going to have somebody coming back. That's always price checking you. That's always shopping you. I just don't think it's there. There's not enough money to be made. It's not a $20,000 commercial account. The profit, the commission dollars, I just don't think are there. If you're always chasing that guy that's always price shopping you and is willing to cross the street to save a nickel, I just, that's always going to be a relationship and you're going to always be requoting. You can't keep them on the books long enough to make money. And that's where Nancy and I were kind of going nuts. And I agree, Nancy, you know, when she's got, you know, people making business decisions and you got thousands of dollars at stake and you don't have all companies in play. That's another big thing on the PNC side, especially in the commercial side that is very frustrating that I don't have to deal with in the health insurance world. I'm a mercenary. I can sell for whoever I want, whenever I want. It doesn't particularly matter outside of, again, like uh, there's literally one company that just doesn't work with agents and they're, they were traditionally a Medicaid provider. So I don't really care about them. Now, again, they have eaten into a lot of my business over the last couple of years, but I'm, I'm dealing with it because it's just not the business I'd want anyways. But with the commercial and personal lines, again, you might have 10 companies and there still might be five or 10 that are sucking away your business. And that's where things are really interesting. And I think really backwards. Well, and the, but the thing is, too, it wouldn't. Sometimes it wouldn't matter if you had that company because if your staff wasn't familiar with that company, they wouldn't have used it anyway. At the fear of risking my life, Nancy, this is where I'm going to have to disagree and say this is where your commercial mindset might be working at a slight disadvantage because, again, in the health insurance world, where you can have anybody, everybody, whenever you want. If if let's put it this way. They wouldn't be paying attention to that company the first time, right? It's only going to happen once where you lose somebody to somebody else. If you had access to all the companies, and this is where I hate PNC, we were kind of alluding to it. It's again, it's just the ability to have the companies necessary, right? There's no reason. Like, what is the point? I get it. Loss ratios, all that garbage, territories, bunch of nonsense. Again, it doesn't seem to bother health insurance companies. And they're taking, in my opinion, a lot more risk. And a lot of the cases, again, dealing with medical claims and millions upon millions. Anyways, my personal opinion. 
I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an overall thing. I just think they just haven't evolved to where health insurance companies are. Hopefully it will get that way. The point is though, is, is that all it's going to take is one time for that one company to steal that piece of business for you to, to not know that it's a thing, or at least for the, the you know, this next year, or the year after that, that, Hey, they got some good rates. They're competing against these types of businesses, these types of companies in this area. You're going to know that, right? It's only going to be one time that that's going to happen and you're going to learn from that mistake and then you're going to be watching that company. So yeah, if you had that company, you would be keeping that business. You wouldn't keep the first one, but you definitely keep the second one. And that's something I think you guys might be underestimating in the commercial space. If I do a group health quote, you know, we use a broker that has access to all the markets. And so with a flip of a button, I can give you all the different quotes with six different companies that write in Maryland. So yeah, if you don't pick health insurance with my agency, then it's just because I didn't give you very good service or you didn't see any value because you know, all the plans are there. It's just a matter of, of you understanding the best plan for your particular situation. But in commercial world, if you've got 13 different companies and you've got to input that data into 13 different rating systems and you've got to know 13 different underwriting guides and 13 different coverages, if they're not aware, you know, if they don't know that company, they're not going to use it anyway. All right, Nancy, now you're definitely speaking my language. It is so much fun because I don't get to do it that often. So I'm going to take the time. Yes, uh, you're right. If if they don't pick your health, if they don't pick your agency for health insurance, then it's just because you didn't give them service. However, so many people, and I run across this all the time, they screw up presenting. They think that they're going to force somebody into a certain plan because they've only taken the time to learn a couple of plans and are not actually looking at the entire situation where the commercial side and this is just my uh, you know observation from afar it's more based on again your job is to find the coverages right uh, health insurance it's your job to find the plans right to fit the coverages and the networks of the companies and things like that and that's a lot of agents screw that up because they only want to work with one or two companies even though they have access to them all they just don't want to take the time to learn you know, again, the networks and the different plans and present a plan that is actually going to make the most sense. It get that screwed up, for, you know, trust me. Presenting on the health insurance side can, can, can screw things up. Now, again, back to Nancy's issue and frustration with having 13 companies, that's 13 rating systems, again, and, and she still might not have the four or five that are going to steal her business. That's the problem. It's just, I think it's a giant excuse. Yeah, we can say that that's a, a, not not on Nancy's front. I think this is a giant excuse on the uh, industry as, listen, eventually we've got to figure this thing out to where this isn't a thing for us agents anymore to where we have to go to 13 different rating systems. And I think, yeah, one of the guys that was just on Jason's podcast uh, this week or coming up this week is going to talk about that. And yes, people are trying to solve this problem. And hopefully soon enough, you know, all of this hot air that I have just spilled for the last 15 minutes will be irrelevant. And I hope that's the case. Um, but again, I think that those challenges on the commercial side will slowly not exist, fingers crossed, anymore. Because if they do, I think this is going to be a bad sign for us agents because it's just going to be too too labor is labor intensive, right? Again, Nancy's not going to take the time to go to 13 different rating systems. That's insane, right? That's insane. Uh, Again, I mean, just the numbers on even a $20,000 commercial account. While it's a nice size account, you know, a 10%, 15% commission, it's not that nice of account, right? I mean, to always requote 15 companies, 
That's insane. It needs to be better. It needs to be more efficient. Only thing stopping it from being better and more efficient is the companies from saying, oh, it's too complicated. We've got so many special snowflake pearly things that we do that we cannot possibly conform to this rating system. And they need to get over themselves a little bit, I think, just a little bit, because um, they're the ones, I mean, the whoever makes it easier, the easiest first or fastest is going to win, right? Um, it's just there's no getting around it. Uh, solid, huge recommendation here. I'm going to go on a limb. I watched a movie the other day uh, called The Founder, uh, starring Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton. Love me some Michael Keaton. I found people don't like Michael Keaton. Some people don't. That's strange. I thought he was like one of the most universally liked people in the world. Uh, it's about uh, McDonald's and how it was started and how the guy Michael Keaton played kind of implanted himself into this thing and McDonald's was, if you don't remember, like the things that they invented, they just made things so much faster and easier. It went from getting a meal in 30 minutes at a drive-in to a meal in 30 seconds. It went from eating on plates with forks and knives and doing dishes to eating out of a bag in plastic and paper wrappers. I mean, these aren't revolutionary things today, but when they happened in 1954, they were revolutionary. And we are at that point, I think... Well, we're, we've, we've been kind of going through that point now, and that's kind of where we're heading, and that's the frustration Nancy is seeing is that we don't have that, that, that McDonald's to make things easier. Now, hopefully, you know, we're still able to work at McDonald's if I don't know if this analogy is going anywhere that makes sense. But the point is, is that it's speed, right? Every, every major company, and, and say what you want, I, I pretty much hate McDonald's for what they've done to just the overall kind of food culture to this you know, country, that's that aside, they did change the world. In some capacity, they did change the way things operate in this world and, and the way people expect things. They invented an entire industry. Uh, you know, a company that's doing it right now is Amazon. You know, they, they're shipping things to you in a, in a, in a, at a pace that people did not think was possible. And that's just kind of the outlook that we kind of need to, that standard that we need to always look through, the lens that we need to look through with you know, the vendors and the companies and, and how we view our business of, you know, how can we do what people say is impossible? And if it's quoting 13 companies, well, then let's figure out a way to quote 13 companies efficiently, right? I don't know. Huge rant tangent. I don't know if any of it made sense. Again, I'm just getting over being sick. I have been hopped up, uh, losing my mind, tripping on some Dayquil recently. So forgive any of that. Uh, the bottom line is you have to make that distinction, right? Don't kid yourself to think that um, commercial and personalized are the same here in this regards of quoting old business. If they burned you once on the personal side and it was for bad reasons, and even if they were a good client, I don't know that I would waste my time with them. Personal opinion there. Again, I think Nancy's 100% on, you know, pre-qualify if they're willing to hit the numbers, if, you know, that it was just a business decision the time before. Yeah, give them another shot. Again, if it, I think if it continues to repeat though, uh, you'll have to know at some point enough is going to be enough. And if, you know, keeping them for the year and losing them and redoing it, if it makes out just that's things to pay attention to. Nobody says that you have to, you know, allow somebody to come back to you and you don't have to always take them back if you don't want to, if you want to, and it makes sense and it's actually profitable for you, then by all means, go ahead, take them back, do what you need to do. And let's all try and figure out how to make things and do the impossible. All right, got to get something serious. Serious question time here. What is one thing that you 
ridiculously overreact to that in all seriousness is probably not that big of a deal. I mean, what is that one thing that you might murder somebody over, but that's probably just you? For me, anytime it's just the most unnecessary thing in the world, shoes on the bed, right? Why in the world do you need to wear shoes on your bed? Even in a hotel, just a savage. Just, are you savages? Shoes on the bed? Really? Like you sleep there and like that, your shoes have been everywhere. It's gross. I mean, that's like, that's like a far greater sin than wearing, I think shoes in the house is a pretty, like, I I hate when people come into my house and wear shoes. Like that drives me nuts. Um, Obviously wearing shoes in your house, it's like, I mean, we we walk around outside. I mean, it's your home, it's place, it's comfortable. Keep it clean. And then you go up up at a level and you jump in bed with the shoes on. I hate it. I see it on TV and the movies. I mean, yes, I'm irrational to that stuff. Oh, it drives me nuts. Definitely. So if you come over to my house, and you wear the shoes, not a good sign. Then if you decide to mosey up on stairs, take a tour upstairs, and then you jump on the bed with the shoes. I think we've got other issues at that point because you've crossed a whole bunch of other boundaries. But yes, definitely shoes um, anywhere near the bed, especially when they're being worn. Not fun. Not fun. I'd be interested to hear yours. Joey at GrowProgram.com. Let me know that I'm not the only crazy person out there. Also, don't forget, registration for Grow Lab 2017 is going to be opening here on May the 10th, so get ready to come join Jason, myself, Charlotte, North Carolina, October 24th, 25th, um, to have a good time, to have an experience that you've never had before, just be around 100 of the best agents and learn from them, figure out what works, what doesn't work, and really shortcut everything else, because that's what we're here to do. So looking forward to seeing you guys there. Joey at GrowProgram.com. Tell me what you're freaking weird about. Love it.